The message is called No More Tears. And uh, we're gonna, I'm going to base uh, this message off of uh, the shortest verse in the Bible. Jesus wept. So let's turn uh, to the book of John. John 11. John 11. We're going to start in John 11, and we're going to start in verse 1. And uh, I'm going to probably read most of it through, because I really want us to get the context of what we're looking at this morning. Oh, Jesus. We're going to start on... Uh, start in verse 1. Here we go. Now with a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore, the sister sent him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he had heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to the disciples, let us go to Judea again. Uh, the disciples then said to him, and I want you to pay attention to this. We're going to come back to this. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, lately the Jews have sought to stone you. And you are going there again? And Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if he walks, uh, but if one walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. These things he said, and after that he said to them, Our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I may wake him up. Come on, yeah. Then his disciples said, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get well. However, Jesus spoke of his death, but they thought that he was speaking about rest and sleep. Then Jesus said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And then he says, and I am glad for you, for your sake, that I was not there, that you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go to him. Then Thomas, who is called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. So when Jesus came, he found out, he found that he had already been to the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles away. And many of the Jews had joined the woman around Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Now Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. 
But Mary was sitting in the house. Now, and I'm on verse 21. Now Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would have not, would have not died. But even now I know that whatever you ask of, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. And he who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And he and whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. And when she had said these things, she went up her way and secretly called Mary, her sister, saying, The teacher has come, and he is calling you. As soon as she heard that, she arose quickly and came to him. Now, Jesus had not come yet into the town but was in the place where Martha met him. Verse 31. Then the Jews who were with her in the house and comforting her, when they saw that Mary rose up quickly and went out and followed her, saying, She is going to the tomb to weep there. Then when Mary came there, came where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying to him, Lord, If you had been here, my brother would not have died. Therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her weeping, he groaned in the spirit and he was troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. And then on verse 35, we see Jesus wept. Then Jesus said, see, no, I'm sorry. Then the Jew said, see how he loved him. And some of them said, could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind also could have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus again, groaning to himself, came to the tomb. It was the cave and the stone lay against it. And Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha and the sister of him who was dead said to him, Lord, by this time there is a stench. For he has been there for four days. I'm going to continue, but let me, let me just. A couple things stood out to me here. We see Jesus talking to the disciples, and he's telling them, we have to go back, and we have to raise Lazarus. And then we hear the response of the, of, of, uh, of who, who was it? It was uh, um, Thomas, right? It was Thomas? Yeah, I believe it was Thomas. And he says, wait a minute, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm paraphrasing, obviously. He says, okay, you want us to go back over there, but 
But they're stoning us. They'll, they'll stone us. Like, we're, if we go, we're going to die. Because when they stoned people, they didn't throw pebbles, right? I mean, they, they, were, they were stoning you, cracking skulls open, and you knew you were going to die. I, I want to I revisit this again. Jesus. And you read where he says that Jesus groaned. Now I, I, I was I was I was kind of contemplating that. Now was that the Lord being frustrated? No. No. Was it angry? I don't know. I don't believe so. Maybe maybe he was saddened and disheartened in his heart. Because, you know, you see, you see the Lord walking with the disciples and he's been in this season where he's been training and been equipping and he's been demonstrating his love and his goodness. And then he's, he's going to a place and then he sees the language of Thomas. He hears the language. And he's like, wait a minute, you want us to go back to that place? And I'm thinking, man, you've been walking with the Lord. You've seen miracles, signs, and wonders. You saw the move. You've seen everything that happened with your own eyes. I wouldn't be worried about none of that stuff. But he was worried. And his language changed. Something happened. Unbelief stepped in on Thomas. Unbelief stepped in. And Jesus groaned i believe his heart was broken i believe the heart was broken and we're going to get to that point where because you see you see here in verse 35 it says that jesus wept and i said lord there's so many teachings on this jesus wept you can look and there's going to be so many ways but i said lord what is it that that was significant about it we see in verse 33 when he says, therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews came to her weeping, it says that he groaned in the spirit and he was troubled. When Jesus saw everybody around weeping and mourning for Lazarus, it says that he groaned and his spirit was troubled. Verse 34 and he says, where have you laid him? And they said, Lord, come and see. And then verse 35, he says, Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. When Jesus wept, Jesus demonstrated the love that he had for humanity. He demonstrated his love. It says, see Where am I? I'm sorry. Hold on. He said, see how he loved him. And some of them said, could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind kept this man from dying? And then in verse 38, it says, then Jesus again, groaning in himself, came to the tomb. It was the cave and a stone lay against it. So even after this, he hears the people complaining again. And then you see Jesus 
groaning. Jesus said to her in verse 40, Did I not say to you that if you would just believe, you would see the glory of God? 41, Then they looked away, and the stone looked away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said to the father he said father i thank you that you have heard me and that you always hear me but because of the people who were standing by i said this that they may believe that you sent me now when he had said these things, he cried in a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth! And he who had died came out bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, Loose him and let him go. Come on, that's a good thing. So I ask you a question. If Jesus knew that Lazarus was going to be resurrected, why did he weep? He knew. Like, I mean, he he was about the Father's business. He knew that he was going to go and he was going to see the resurrection because he knew what God was going to do. Like, he just knew it. But why did he weep? According to what it says in Scripture, um, I, see in the th- I see three main reasons. And, of course, I, I encourage you to study this, and maybe the Lord will show you something else. But I see three main reasons that stand out to me. <clears throat> Number one, Jesus wept for his friends. For the pain and their sadness. There was compassion that he had to see people that he loved and he cared for going through pain. You see, when you generally care, when you genuine, genu- I can never say that word, genuinely care for somebody, you hurt when they hurt. Listen, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be honest, you know. I'm going to be transparent. I'm going to let you into my life a little bit. When If I see my wife going through pain, you know, sometimes she has pain in her legs. Man, I, I, I weep. Like, she doesn't know, but I weep because I don't want to see her in pain. And I'm like, God. And I, I, I've told her, I said, baby, if I could take you from you, I would take you from you. I would carry it for you. And there's something that, that if you love somebody, you hurt when they hurt. I've seen my wife, and, and, and when, when, when she doesn't know that I'm, I'm, I'm around in the room, and she's, she's crying and she's weeping, praying for my eyes. I just want you to be healed. Because when you love somebody, you, 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 you hurt when they hurt. Ah, man. That's what was happening. When Jesus wept, he felt the sadness Of the people. Uh, That's why we see in verse 3. Therefore the sisters said to him. Sent him saying. Lord behold. He whom you love. 
is sick. Jesus loved Lazarus. He loved him. That's why he wept. God never takes our pain lightly. Even if he knows that he will restore everything that we've lost. Like, he, even if he knows that we're going to be healed. Like, he doesn't discount or discredit our pain. He doesn't. See, he knew that Lazarus was going to be resurrected. But he also knew that the pain that people around him were feeling was very real. And he met them where they were at. <laughs> and like a good father, he does not want to see us in pain. Even if he knows that the pain will lead us to a greater good. Now listen, sometimes in our walk with the Lord, we do things <laughs> that we're not supposed to be doing. We do things in our walk that, that the Lord is like, oh, you don't, you know, that you know you're going to have to go around the mountain if you do that. And he, and we know, we, you know, we do that stuff. Like, and the Lord loves us in our pain, even though he knows that we're going to come out okay. But he's like, oh, God, I don't want you to go through that. Why are you doing that? You know, even though he knows, he still loves us. One of, the <laughs> one of the greatest gifts that we can give someone who is hurting is our presence and sharing in their suffering. Philippians 3.10 says, That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. 2 Corinthians 1.5 says, As for the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also abounds through Christ. Because, see, listen, he's a good God. He's a good Father. He really, he's a good God. That's why the revelation and the understanding of sonship is so important. It really is. You know, we, we were talking about in our, in our class the other day of the deliverance school, and what we, we were talking about creative miracles and stepping into creative miracles. And part of being able to function and stepping into creative miracles is understanding who we are as sons and daughters. Understanding who we are, because when we have a revelation, and this is so important, guys, Listen, this is, if, if anything, this is one of the most important things. That when we realize who we are as sons and daughters, we will no longer function as orphans or slaves. As orphans or slaves. Knowing who God is in the intimacy and not just the knowledge of him. Listen, a lot of people know God. Listen, you can go to almost any church. And I'm, I'm, not, I'm not talking badly about churches. That's not what I'm doing. But you can go to almost any church, and they're all going to talk about God. They're going to talk about Jesus. And there's a whole lot of knowledge here. But there's not very much intimacy. To know who he is, 
to know who we are as sons. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and hope. Jesus. You know, I don't I don't want to ever sound like a broken record. I really don't. But I realized this, you know, I, I share with our class this last week that that I remember <laughs> hearing my pastor, he would always give us the message about about identity. And it was always it was like the sonship and and after a while I, I would get a little bit frustrated. I, I would get just gonna be honest, I would get frustrated, like, like enough already. I know my identity. Every week it's the same message, it feels like. like. That's what it felt like. It was like every week it's the identity message, the identity message. Know who you are, know who you are, you know, the righteousness of God, and all those things. And I was like, well, wait a minute. And I remember having a meeting and I said, listen, I know who I am already. You know, when, when do we move forward? When do we move forward? And I, I would give, I would get frustrated, you know. Like I felt like I was, I was like, "Hello, that's it, that's it. blow me." And then I would find myself struggling in areas, and I would find myself agreeing with lies, and I would find myself like going back to old patterns and old ways of thinking, and I would agree with rejection. I would agree with lies. I would agree with things that that were being served up to me that I knew was it the Lord. But yet I thought I knew my identity. And the truth is, listen, something was told me one time, and I got offended. <laughs> I got offended. Yeah. And I said, you know, I don't know if I agree with something. because, And I was, I was telling, you know, my pastor what, what I was kind of dealing with. And, and then he says, well, you know why you, you struggle with that? I said, well, no, tell me. He says, because you don't know who you are. I said, I said what do you mean I don't know who I am? I'm like, yeah, I do. I mean, I, I'm thinking I did. But I'm going to tell you what, I got offended. Like, I really did. I was like, and I wasn't mad at him. Like, I mean, like, I was like, well, excuse me. What the? But I felt like, what do you mean I don't know who I am? Man, I've been in church all these years. I hear the message every week. And the truth is that many of us struggle with our identity because when we agree with the enemy's lies, when we agree that it, when we agree to anything that speaks opposite of what the kingdom of God says about you, we're having an identity crisis. It's an identity crisis, man. <laughs> we deal with rejection. Well, huh, this happened in my life. I feel, well, you don't know who you are. I, I, I would love, I, I, one of my favorite teachers is uh, Dan Moeller. Love, I love Dan. And Dan, I've heard Bob Jones say this too. Bob Jones would tell me, that I've heard him say this. And he says, I don't have no enemies. I, I don't have enemies. I love everybody. So I can't get offended. And I heard, I heard Dan Moeller once say, I don't give. 
I don't get it. Because, listen, it's illegal. For It's illegal in the kingdom of heaven for us to agree with the thoughts and the whispers of the enemy. It's an illegal action. So if you're dealing with rejection, if you're dealing with areas in our identity, and I, well, listen, I remember this. I, I remember when many, many, many years ago when we got ordained and when we got first ordained as pastors, I remember sitting in front of somebody who I admired. They were a leader. They were a friend of mine. And I remember having lunch, and we're having lunch, and I, we got ordained, and we were sitting there. I'm like, Lord, what, what was our next step? What are we going to do? Now, this is a transparent moment. I'm, I'm being transparent, okay? This is hard for me, guys. See, but I believe when we, when we minister in our weakness, God will he'll elevate. But I remember sitting there in, in front with somebody that I loved, with somebody who was dealing with their identity. And they looked at me. We were all excited, you know, and we, we, had, we had just gotten ordained, received an ordination, and, and they looked at me and my wife, and they said, you know you're not pastors, right? That was the first thing that came out of their mouth. And I'm like, I didn't even know how to respond. I didn't even know how to respond to that. Like, <laughs> and I remember my pastor was there. And I waited to see how he was going to respond. And he didn't say nothing. He watched us respond. And they looked at me and they said, you know you're not pastors, right? That when you get ordained, it doesn't mean you're a pastor. And trust me, we weren't trying to be pastors. I mean, that wasn't our, listen, being a pastor was the farthest thing from my mind. I'm being dead serious. Like, if you would have said the P word, that was a bad word. I'm like, heck no. I'm all about the nations, baby. I'm traveling. I'm doing itinerant ministry. I'm going to be in Haiti. I'm going to be in Israel. I'm going to be in India. I'm going to be in Russia. That's where I'm going, God. I ain't going to pastor. Whatever. And then God says, go to Ohio. The tundra, the frozen tundra. It's pretty bad, man. (laughs) Don't lie. (laughs) <laughs> oh lord i remember my grandma my grandma used to say something my grandma was really harsh so i don't agree with this terminology but she would say you know liars are friars son oh <laughs> uh, grandma no where's the love of god in that <laughs> yeah man my grandma's right i had many sermons with my grandma in it but she was a powerful woman <laughs> But identity, and I'm going to tell you what, those things will, will destroy you because for, for months, that word hovered over me. And, I, and my wife will tell you, like, I was, I felt this little. And I couldn't step into the thing, and things were happening all around. God was doing things, and I was like, man, that word hovered over me. Because my identity wasn't in God. My identity wasn't what people thought around me. So our identity in the Lord is so important. 
it's so important that when we know who God is, we know who he is, we know who we are, we know what we've been given. The second thing is this. The second reason why I believe he, he wept was Jesus wept for their lack of faith. The second reason Jesus wept was because of the lack of faith he saw around him. When Jesus was told, when Jesus first told his disciples that he would head back to Judea, the first thing they did was remind him that the last time he was in Judea, he was almost stoned. How many times in our lives do we do the same thing? And our thoughts and our language and our actions. We see in verse 33, it said, Therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her weeping, he groaned in the spirit and he was troubled. In 34, he said that, Where have you laid him? We also see again in verse 38, Then Jesus, again groaning to himself, came to the tomb. It was a cave where he, the stone laid against it. And I said this a little while ago, but the groaning was a sadness of the lack of faith that he was witnessing. Jesus saw those around him forget everything that they had seen. Okay, don't, don't lose our attention, guys. Come on. We, we're, we're, this will be my first close. <laughs> you see, when we're operating in fear and not in faith, That's what we saw happening with them. There was fear that came upon them. And when fear came upon them, they were no longer operating in faith, so therefore they no longer were able to see how they were supposed to see in the kingdom. Thank you, Lord. That's what we're seeing right now, guys, around us. That's what's happening right now in our nation. Everything that we're seeing right now. Now, all of a sudden, there's a, there's a new spike in the coronavirus. Everybody's running back. Listen, I got family that are in Texas, and they're already, call listen, they, they've, they're sending alerts through the text messaging, like, like warning alerts now. Do not go outside. Like it's the apocalypse. And there's fear that is happening right now. Many believers are quick to agree with the fear and the death that we forget to walk in the freedom and the victory. Hmm. Jesus responded in John eleven fourteen through 16. And Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died. And for your sake, I am glad that I was not there so that you may believe but just but let us go to him so thomas called the twin said to the fellow disciple let us go that we may die with him we saw something happen with thomas though all of a sudden he went from moving in fear and there's two ways to look at this verse because when i first read it i was like was he being sarcastic like was he being sarcastic like well, let us also go with him so we can die. 
Or did he mean, let us also go so we can also die? In other words, if that's, our, if that's what's, what's the will of God, then let us also go and die with our Father. Come on. Jesus intentionally waited to go to Lazarus to bring God's glory when seeing Lazarus raised from the dead. Now, this is the number three reason why I believe. Jesus wept for what was to come. I believe that this was a picture to even Jesus to see what was about to come. Jesus wept because Lazarus' death and resurrection reflected his own. Jesus knew that within a short time, he too would die and be placed in a tomb. He knew that he would ultimately overcome death and he would rise from the dead, just like Lazarus. But he also knew that it would be extremely difficult. It would be a difficult road to walk. That's why we see Jesus in Mark 14, 36. And you got you to gotta think. Jesus, I don't want to say worried. I don't want to say the word worried. <laughs> but you have to, you have to, like he, he was a little bothered. He was, he was, man, concerned. He had emotions. But he knew what was about to come. He was like, man, I'm, I'm going to die. I'm going to be resurrected. I know that God's going to have the glory, but I'm still going to have to go through some stuff. I'm going to have to endure some, some serious pain. And you've got to wonder what was going on. What was he feeling like? And we see in Mark 14, 36, the proof of this, when he says, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me. Yet, not what I will, but what you will. Even, even in the moment, he was like, he says, God, Father, if by chance I don't have to do this, remove it from me. But your perfect will be done. And whatever you want, I'm going to do. That's a good God. Whoa. Jesus. He didn't want to die on the cross, but he knew that it would glorify the Father. We may sometimes weep in this fallen world, but Jesus, with Jesus, we will have a greater hope. Let's uh, see in Psalms 126, 5 and 6. I'm almost done, guys. I'm almost done. Here we go. Psalms 126, verse 5 and 6 tells us this. Those who sow in tears shall reap with the shouts of joy. He goes out weeping, bearing the seed for sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy, bringing his sheaves with him. Jesus had to suffer. He had to endure the pain. He had to weep one day so that we wouldn't have to. So that we wouldn't have to. 
Thank you, Lord. Revelations 21, 4 says this. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, no more sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Holy Ghost. So I asked the Lord, like, Lord, Lord when, I, when, I, when I'm doing these studies and praying, I asked the Lord questions. And I said, Lord, what are you saying in all of this? What are we saying? Jesus. I believe that God is speaking loudly and clearly this season. If I can get Peter to come on up here, please. I believe that God is speaking loudly and clearly this season. There's a call that is being ushered to the bride to come back. I love what they were singing in worship. It was like, come away, come away, come back. Come on. Last week we had a message about, about coming out of the caves. There was something about the Lord is calling back the bride. He's calling back the bride. He's wooing back the bride. He's saying, come back. Come back. Come back. There's something that, that the Lord's doing. There's a renewing, a refreshing that God is calling forth the bride in this season. Oh, Jesus. Holy Spirit. Revelations 2, verse 4 says this. Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works, or else I will come to you quickly and remove the lampstand from its place, unless you repent. Listen. I have, I have been in a season that the Lord is just speaking to me about His goodness and, and, and how good the Father is. But part of His goodness is that, 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 that He's a loving God that brings correction to the bride. And there's times that we have, to, we have to just say, Father, forgive me for things that I've done, lies that I've agreed with, for, for agreeing with rejection, for agreeing with the lies. For, for having an identity crisis. Hmm. Oh, Jesus. Oh. Thank you, Father. I don't know if that's for somebody in this room right now, but I just felt like um, something about... Uh, um, I don't know if somebody's been diagnosed with cancer. I don't know, maybe somebody who's watching, listen, if that's you, if you've been diagnosed with cancer, it's almost like it's stomach cancer. I feel like it may be something to do with the, um, I, I don't even know, is the pan, the pan, I don't know what that is, the pan, pancreas. Um, if that's you, please write us. I want to pray. I just felt the wave of healing come in the room right now. I just felt like the Lord just said, he want, there's healing in the house. Whoa, come on. And I know this is the Lord. Listen, I, I know this is the Lord. Thank you, Father. Father, I just thank you, God. So, Lord, whoever that is for, God, I, I don't know who this is, Lord, but whoever that's for, God, I just speak your virtue, God, right now in the name of Jesus, God. And I speak to this cancer, God, right now. 
and I rebuke all forms of cancer in the name of Jesus, God. And I just speak to it right now that it would wither up and it would die. And I say right now in the name of Jesus, the virtue of heaven would be upon the body right now. Right now in Jesus' name. Whoever that's for, God, that they would just receive that healing right now. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name. That we would repent. Jesus. The Lord weeps for those who who lack in their faith. He weeps for those who don't know who he is. God isn't concerned how well you know your Bible. God isn't concerned how many scriptures you can quote. That's a great thing, but that's not what he's concerned about. God could care less. He's not impressed with your ability to debate the scripture. One of the main attacks the enemy uses against God's children, it's in their identity. That's why Jesus wept. He wept because he saw people not know who they were. They had walked with Jesus. They had seen many miracles. And they still lacked. They still didn't believe. They still lacked faith. So he wept. The tactic of the enemy hasn't changed. To this day, the tactic of the enemy is the very same. He still does identity theft. Why do you think it's what God, what happens in the natural? It's because what's happening in the spirit. Now they make all these wallets to stop you from people walking by and grabbing your identity. All these things about protecting your identity. Protect your passcodes, encrypted codes, capital letters, signals, upside down. Why? To protect your identity. The tactic's the same. The devil's after who you are. You're a son, you're a daughter. This morning, I want us to look back at our lives. And have we been victims? Have we been a victim of identity theft? Have you agreed with lies? Have you agreed about rejection? What my husband says, what my wife says, what my boss says, what my pastor says. Have I, have I fallen to that? Have you agreed with the lies the devil has placed directly in front of you? Lies about your self-worth. Oh, I'll never be worth anything. I'll never. I might as well just give up. I might as well just give up. I don't want to do this no more. Lies of rejection. Psalms 126.5 says, Those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. 
No more tears. <laughs> no more tears. Oh, Jesus. I'm going to share something, um, a word, and I'm going to speak prophetically over the house, and I'm going to share a vision that the Lord gave me. And I'm going to read it. During our weekly intercessory prayer, I was given a vision from the Lord. And this vision, I saw a bottle of wine, which looked like a vintage, like it was vintage. But in my spirit, I knew that it was brand new. As I looked closer, I could see on the corner of the cork, there was a sputtering. Like there was a, like it was drops of wine were coming out of the cork. The best way I can see it was like it was like you were just coming out. Shortly after that, I heard a loud and distinctive sound of a cork popping. Listen, we were in prayer. I wasn't trying to, I mean, we were just in prayer. And I heard a loud sound of a cork popping open. The sound of the cork popping open. And as I continued to watch this old but new bottle of wine, I heard the Holy Spirit say, this is the new wine for the season. And its name is Increase. This oddly felt familiar as I was reminded of a previous encounter pertaining to the new wine. You see, every time the Lord has spoken to me about the new wine, it has always been about the times and seasons. And it was always about what the Holy Spirit was serving out to the bride in time. And right now, the Lord is serving up something new and something fresh. The new wine speaks of the renewed love, the new intimacy with God. The Song of Songs, verse 1-4 says, Take me away with you. Let us hurry. Let the king bring me into the chambers. We rejoice and we delight in you. We will praise your love more than wine. How right they are to adore you. We see in the New Testament, in the infilling of the, of the Holy Spirit, that is compared to drinking wine. In Acts 2.13, but others poked fun at them and said, they're just drunk on the new wine. Ephesians 5.18 says, and don't get drunk with wine, which is rebellious. Instead, be filled with the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Beloved, the Lord is releasing a new drink. I want you to hear what I'm saying. The Lord is releasing a new drink. It's a new season of blessings and favor. The increase is here. Get ready to see an overflow of the blessings as we become recipients of this new wine. We not only receive the filling of the Holy Spirit and His presence, but we also become walking testimonies to all those around us of His goodness. Where darkness and lack seem to be prevalent, 
you will walk in the increase in blessings. Listen, that's where we're at right now. When people all around you are struggling and they're, 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 they're in lack and they're in worry and they're in fear, the children of God will walk in the blessing and the increase. You will not have lack in Jesus. That's the increase. The Lord is saying, drink of the new wine. Drink of the goodness of God. The new wine speaks of the harvest. And you better believe it's harvest time. It is harvest time. Come on, man. It is harvest. Oh, come on, Jesus. Deuteronomy 11 and 14 says this. Then I will send the rain to your land. And its season, both autumn and spring rains. So that you may gather your grain, new wine and olive oil. So today, let's stand. Let's just stand. We're going to pray. Ah, Jesus. Holy Ghost. Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. So we've already been kind of regionally, we've been kind of deemed as the odd ones. Because we do things a little bit different sometimes. We do things like we move in the prophetic, we, uh, we do prophetic declarations. So today what I want us to do in, as a church is we're going to do a prophetic declaration, a prophetic act. So this morning, <laughs> I want you to hold up your cups. Come on, there you go. Hold up our cups. <laughs> Come on. And we're going to receive of the Lord this morning. Lord, fill our cups. Father, I thank you, God. I thank you for the blessing, God. And even now, Lord, as we raise our cups, God, we say, Lord, fill our cups, God. Lord, we thank you for the increase, God. We thank you for the new wine, for the new season, God. We thank you for your glory and your presence, God. In the name of Jesus, God, we thank you, God, that you're bringing the fresh winds, God, the fresh revelation, God, that there would be no lack in this season, God, that the increase is here. So right now, in the name of Jesus, listen, this is where we get a little fun. <laughs> now we get to take a big drink. Okay, get up outside. Right now, take a drink. Oh! Father, we thank you, God. We drink of your goodness today. We receive your increase, God. We receive your goodness, God. We receive your goodness, God. Psalms 23.5 says this. You become a delicious feast even when my enemies dare to fight. You anoint me with the fragrance of the Holy Spirit. Give me all I can drink, all of you, until my heart overflows. So, Father, right now, Lord, let our hearts overflow. Let our hearts overflow today. Right now, those that are watching right now, receive this. Those that are watching right now, receive the overflow, God. Re receive the overflow right now in Jesus' name. You know, um, it said how Lazarus had a stench on him, 
but there's there's another side to the 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 smell of of the Lord and I I can't even imagine what happened to Lazarus when Jesus walked in and touched and and commanded him to come alive again and I believe the Lord is speaking to our spirit this morning and he's saying you know there's some things inside of you that I'm speaking come out there's some things that I'm speaking to you this morning to begin to arise from within you and to come out and be who I've called you to be. And, um, and I can't imagine how Lazarus smelt after he came out and was resurrected and there was life on him again. Because they were talking about how death smelt for the four days. And I was like, but there was, the whole time I was hearing it, I was like, but there's a smell. There's a scent of the Lord that we carry through Holy Spirit. That the Lord will allow us to smell like our Papa in heaven. Like, he'll allow us to smell like him. The more that we're with him, the more we're in intimacy with him. It's funny because like when you're around your spouse, you'll begin to smell like their perfume sometimes, like their cologne or their perfume sometimes. And I was thinking about the Lord in that essence. And I was like, God, the more we're around you and the more we're with you, the more we're going to smell like you. And, and, and as, instead of death, there'd be a smell of death, but there would be a smell of your goodness. There would be a scent and an aroma, Lord, even in our worship with you, Lord, of, of just of this intimacy in this intimate place with you, Lord. And, um, and, and we can smell just like the Lord. <laughs> so I want to encourage you today, as you step in in an intimate place with the Lord, you're going to start to smell like him <laughs> with the scent of your father. And there'll be times where you're in worship and you'll begin to smell that scent because your arms are being flung and your legs are, are turning and twisting and your voice is, 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 a, is singing in worship to the Lord. And all of a sudden you'll get a, a whiff of, of, of his scent and you'll be able to smell him. God, we activate our smelling uh, senses right now in the name of Jesus that we could smell you when you walk into the room Lord that there would be no stench no stench of death Lord but there would be a, a smell of life and living in your spirit that those things that we've held dormant within ourselves would begin we speak life to them this morning God that they would come out of us Lord and we command them to come out right now in the name of Jesus, that they would come out and manifest your goodness and your love right now, Jesus.